right, ladies and gentlemen, Pastor Eli James here, along with Michael from Sweden, and this is Eurofolk Radio. The date is January 30th, 2020, and today we're going to be doing part two of our study of uh, Adam and Eve in the Forgotten Books of Eden, their, their expulsion from the garden and the life of the Sethites following the expulsion from the garden. Are you with us, Michael? Oh yes, I'm ready to to rock, yeah. rock and roll. Yeah, right, right. And uh, but the world is, is falling apart as we speak. But we have to stay the yes, course. Yes. Yeah, this uh, we're we're going to get e- even rougher uh, waves and uh, tidal waves and that sort of thing. It's going to be happening. It's all going to get worse, ladies and gentlemen. But we Adamites have to stay the course. Uh, it's kind of like uh, the days of Noah, right? Yahshua uh, uh, said, uh, it will be as in the days of Noah. We're going to have rough times ahead. It's going to get worse. We have to have our own, let's, let's call, put it this way, our local uh, arcs. We have to uh, find local arcs to survive all of this, right? And uh, let the world outside duke it out among themselves because the the Rothschilds, have used the method of divide and conquer, you know, since uh, 1815 against the white race, and uh, it has certainly worked. And they're getting more and more sophisticated and more powerful economically than ever. However, the, this last gambit, and this is their last gambit, COVID, is going to fail. It's going to fail. So our we have to come out of Babylon and in many cases have our own local economy because they are going to crash the economy and try to starve us out but that's not going to work because we Adamites know how to farm <laughs> right we, we know how to uh, put uh, put plants in our windows and let the sun uh, grow those plants right in our own homes you know, nobody else is going to do this we're going to survive all this a great portion of us so, uh, so we're going to continue this study of uh, the the forgotten books of Eden, and we left off uh, last week at the end of chapter six, where uh, Seth uh, is uh, continuing the legacy of his parents, whereas he see at the same time the other children of Adam and Eve and the other Adamites who were in the land of Eden, uh, uh, east of Eden already, uh, are begin to intermingle with the Sethites, and that's uh, apparently where the uh, Sethites got their children from. Okay, their marriage, uh, I should say, their spouses from. All right, but first I'm going to mention the Urantia book, which, uh, interestingly, was channeled in the city of Chicago, of all places, and put forth as the book of Urantia. I don't know, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's not a good book for sources because it is channeled. However, it does verify to Seedline in saying that uh, Abel and uh, Cain had different fathers, and it asserts that Cain was not the son of Adam. So I'm just going to quickly quote here, Cain and Abel, less than two years after Cain's birth, Abel was born, and I put the link in the chat room. I'm not going to dwell on this uh, a lot, but uh, it does verify two seed line. Less than two years after Cain's birth, Abel was born, the first child of Adam and Eve. Okay? 
to be born in the second garden. This was after they were kicked out of the of the of uh, the original Eden. When Abel grew up to the age of 12 years, he elected to be a herder. Cain had chosen to follow agriculture. Now in those days, it was customary to make offerings to the priesthood of the things at hand. Herders would bring of their flocks, farmers of the fruits of the fields. In accordance with this custom, Cain and Abel likewise made periodic offerings to the priests. The two boys had many times argued about the relative merits of their vocations, and Abel was not slow to note that the, the preference was shown for his animal sacrifices. In vain did Cain appear to the traditions of the first Eden, to the former preference for the fruits of the fields. But this Abel would not allow, and he taunted his older brother in his discomfiture. In the days of the first Eden, Adam had indeed sought to discourage the offering of animal sacrifice, so that Cain had a justifiable precedent for his contentions. It was, however, difficult to organize the religious life of the second Eden. Adam was burdened with a thousand and one details associated with the work of building, defense, and agriculture. Being much depressed spiritually, he entrusted the organization of worship and education to those of Nodite extraction who had served in these capacities in the first garden, and even in so short a time the officiating Nodite priests were reverting to the standards of ruling of pre-Adamite times. So, this confirms our view that there were other white people around, okay, and Cain chose a white woman for his first wife. They were all over the place, okay? Now, those those white, male and female, he created them in Genesis chapter 1, and uh, he selected one of those uh, Adamite, pre-Adamite uh, people, and placed him in the garden, as the Bible clearly says, uh, Adam was a fully grown adult before he was placed in the garden, where Yahweh breathed the breath of life in him, and, and Eve, and, and created a, a race, a, a, you know, an offshoot race, to put it that way, of the original Adamites in Genesis chapter 1 with the possibility of immortality. Okay, that's what the Bible is really telling us. Okay, now next it says, the two boys never got along well, and this matter of sacrifices further contributed to the growing hatred between them. Abel knew he was the son of both Adam and Eve and never failed to impress upon Cain that Adam was not his father. Cain was not pure violet as his father was of the Nodite race, later admixed with the blue and the red man with the original Andonic or Adamic stock, and all of this with Cain's natural bellicose inheritance caused him to nourish an ever-increasing hatred for his younger brother. Okay, so two facts of the uh, of the two seed line message being confirmed here. Number one, that there were Adamites outside the garden, and number two that Abel was the true son of Adam and Eve and Cain was not, okay? Uh, so I don't want to use this book as a re- reference because it was indeed channeled, but these two facts agree with two seed line. Any comment from you here, Michael, before we get back to the Forgotten Books of Eden? Yeah, it's, um, as you said, when you're reading... Um the first uh, Adam of Eve, the first book of Adam and Eve. That's in the in the end of that. You there is mentioned that while um, Cain was born, also Lulava was born the same. So is that is there? Have you found out anything about that Lulava also might be the what is it daughter of Satan? 
Could be. That's probably where they, you know, the Jews get their Lilith legend from. Okay. So, uh, and the fact is, not everything in the Talmud is wrong, right? Uh, but uh, what we know is that the Jews are, in fact, of that other race, the race of Cain, right? They will deny that, but they are, okay? And that's why they choose to distort the Mosaic law with their own traditions, and there's no doubt about that, okay? So, uh let me see. Uh, I believe we left off at the end of chapter 6 on the uh, Forgotten Books of Eden. Yes, we did. Okay, okay. So let me just read like the last few verses here in chapter 6 as introduction. Okay. Uh, okay, I'll just read from verse 11. But Seth, when he saw how he kept on talking, he was being tempted by an angel in human form, namely Satan that he would not leave him, ran and went up to the altar and spread his hands unto God and sought deliverance from him, from this angel. Then God sent his word and cursed Satan, who fled from him. But as for Seth, he had gone up to the altar, saying thus in his heart, The altar is the place of offering, and God is there. A divine fire shall consume it. So shall Satan be unable to hurt me, and shall not take me away from thence. Then Satan came down from the altar and went to his father and mother, where he found the, the way, longing to hear his voice, for he had tarried a while. He then began to tell them what had befallen him from Satan under the form of an angel. But when Adam heard this account, he kissed his face and warned him against that angel, telling him it was Satan who thus appeared to him. Then Adam took Seth, and they went to the cave of treasures for, and rejoiced therein. But from that day forth, Adam and Eve never parted from him to whatever place he might go, whether for this offering or anything else. This sign happened to Seth when he was nine years old. Okay? So, so far, all of this language in uh, both the book of Urantia and the Forgotten Books of Eden confirm the two seed line point of view. Okay? That there were other people around, on, uh, around Eden and within Eden even before the fall, okay, and that these other people who were primarily, I would suspect, Adamites of Genesis chapter 1, who were helpers to Adam, because it says that he, he had helpers, okay, so uh, now who were these people? They were not non-whites, they had to be Adamites, okay, so let's pick it up from uh, chapter 7, over to you, Michael. Yes, so... Uh, let, um, let's start up then with chapter 7. Theth um, marries Aklia. Adam lives uh, to see grandchildren and great-grandchildren. And I believe that, if I'm not wrong, that Aquila was then born Why Abel was born in that... Uh, um, I have, I don't know, there, I think it was the same that the author was born then. Okay, yeah, it could be, but uh, Seth could have married an other uh, Adam, pre, let's call them pre-Adamite, but nevertheless they're Aryans, okay? Yeah. And uh, and the reason I consulted the book of Urantia was because I was trying to find out what uh, to, to what area Adam and Eve, because they were kicked out of the garden, and they went east to the land of Nod, as the Bible calls it, okay? But that area was already inhabited. That's where Cain got his wife from, Okay. And, uh, and and since Jews 
love to marry white women. They prefer white women because they want to destroy our uh, Adamic DNA and, uh, you know, and so forth, that uh, that's where Cain would have got his wife from. Okay? So, uh, and that, uh, the book of Reantia confirms that as well. So, the idea that the, there were only three people on the earth, namely Adam, Eve, and Abel, and four, Adam, Eve, Cain, and Abel, that, that's just completely false. That, that is the Judeo-Christian view, and it's, it's, un, it's unsupported by history, by archaeology, etc., etc., okay? So, uh, we need to have, consult texts which you know, assert that there are other races and other Adamites present on the earth, because that's more correct information. So, yeah, so it's hard to say whether Aklia was the daughter of Adam and Eve, or whether she was a white woman among the pre-Adamites, okay? So, yeah, that's, that's the best I can offer there. All right, back to you. Yeah, because I guess also we'll see that they have the same name as they give them in the, in the first book of Adam and Eve, so yeah. know, maybe you research into that. I understand. Yeah, but I agree. You see, also when you read about, for example, Cain, he he was the king of the black-headed ones. So right, they were, <laughs> right. They were out upon the earth. Yeah, yeah, they were there already. Yeah, and they were uh, what is called. They were the people of Sumeria, the original inhabitants of Sumeria. It beca- it was given that name much later. But uh, yeah, the the blackheads who had hooked noses and receding foreheads. Right, that's what they were. So now again, the the word. There was no word in the Hebrew for sister-in-law, uh, you know, father-in-law, that that sort of thing. Uh, so you have to read this carefully. And you know, now it may be that this was uh, she was uh, Abel's sister from a, you know a, a dis- like a distant cousin in that sense. Okay, so it's it's hard to because there was no word for sister-in-law, mother-in-law, father-in-law, that sort of thing. And you have to trace their genealogy very carefully. But I did uh, a long time ago consult a geneal a farmer genealogist who did studies with animals, and he was breeding horses and sheep and cattle, and he concluded that you can cross breed if you have an original stock of eight people, of eight or eight horses, eight cattle, etc. You can interbreed them without uh, intermarrying first cousins, because first first cousins is definitely incest. Okay, and he told me, and he wrote a book about this, that you can crossbreed the original eight w- w- and avoid incest. So maybe that's what's going on here. Okay, and I'll have to pull that book out. His name is Harold Kaisersat, and uh, he was a uh, an animal breeder. And that's what he told me. I called him up, and that's what he told me. All right. So, with that in mind, maybe we can make sense of all this. All right. Back to you. Yeah. So it could be also uh, that we shouldn't uh, look in as like uh, look into those names literally. There could be a reference that Akia was, as you said, um, Adamite, but it was from then Ad, somehow Adam and Eve also is an, is more of a reference that she were also a white woman. Yeah. Right. Okay. okay. Well, upon it, I continue. When our father Adam saw that Seth was of perfect heart, he wished him to marry, lest the enemy should appear to him another time and overcome him. So Adam said uh, to his son Seth, quote, I wish, O my son, that thou wed thy sister Aklia, 
able sister, that she may bear through these children, who shall replenish the earth according to God's promises to us. Yeah, so the sister could here mean, you know, uh, a distant uh, uh, Adamite, okay? It doesn't necessarily mean, you know, the sister of uh, uh, Eve's womb, Adam and Eve's womb, okay? So it could be, uh, like I say, this crossbreeding of the original eight. So we'll see, okay? But the other possibility is that at this point in time, incest was not yet forbidden because uh, Yahweh only had so many people <laughs> to spring the race from. Okay, back to you. Yes. So, be not afraid, O my son. There is no disgrace in it. I wish thee to marry, from fear lest the enemy overcome thee. Seth, however, did not wish to marry, <laughs> but, but in obedience to his father and mother, he said not a word. Um, so Adam married him to Aklia, and he was 15 years old. <coughs> but when he was 20 years of age, he begat a son whom he called Enos, and then begat other children than him. Then Enos grew up, married, and begat Canaan. Canaan also grew up, married, and begat uh, um, Mahalio. Mahalio. That's Mahalio. a tough one. That's a tough one. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, those fathers were born during Adam's lifetime and dwelled by the cave of treasures. Then were the days of Adam 930 years, and those of Mal Mahalalel. <laughs> Yeah. 100. But Mahalalel, when he was grown, grown up, loved fasting, praying, and with hard labors until the end of our father Adam's days draw near. Okay. Near. So far, no problem in terms of the genealogical reckoning. It uh, follows the Bible pretty closely here. Yes, it does. I mean, you also see, we also see here that. Some of those names that I think we have spoken about that before, also Ella, that Enoch and Canaan, they're pretty. Doesn't yeah. also um, yeah. Cain use very similar name in their seed lines? So they are very um, similar. Yes, he does. In order to confuse us, right? <laughs> so by naming his offspring with similar names, you know, it gets us confused. All right, that, that's his purpose in, in all of this. Yes. Yeah. Okay, so now let's continue then to chapter 8. Adam's remarkable last words. He predicts the flood. He ex exhorts his offsprings to good. He reveals certain mysteries of life. When our father Adam saw that um, his end was near, he called his son Seth, who came to him in the cave of treasures, and said unto him, Quote, o Seth, my son, bring me thy children and thy children's children, that I may um, shed my blessings on them ere I die. End quote. Okay. When, yeah. So, so he gives the because I get the blessings, he gives them to all of the children, and not only the what to say the um, what to say the, the, the offspring. Right. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, here, uh, sorry to interject here, but let me just compare 
uh, Genesis chapter 5. I'm reading now in uh, the KJV, Genesis chapter 5. And Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. And Seth lived after he begat Enos 807 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Seth were 912 years, and he died. And Enos lived 90 years and begat Canaan. And Enos lived after he begat Canaan 815 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Enos were 905 years, and he died. And Canaan lived 70 years and begat Mahaliel. And Canaan lived after he begot Mahaliel 840 years. And all the days of Canaan were 910 years. And let me just go through it. And then Jared. And then Jared. Uh, see, let me. Where's the verse where Jared was conceived? And anyway, let me continue. And Mahaliel lived after he begat Jared. Uh, okay, sorry. Genesis 5.15. And Mahaliel lived 65 years and begat Jared. And Mahaliel lived after he begat Jared 830 years and begat sons and daughters. And all the days of Mahaliel were 895 years, and he died. And Jared lived 162 years, and he begat Enoch. Okay, so so far uh, the accounts are parallel. Okay, back to you. Yeah, that's a good reference that this book is, uh, is in, inspired by Yahweh. Yeah. Now, uh, the Bible doesn't say anything about the cave of treasures. You know, that's a new concept that's not in the Bible. But, uh, you know, this, uh, this is an elaboration on the first, you know, on Genesis. That's what this is. Okay, back to you. Yes. So, let's continue with number three then. Three. Uh, when Seth heard these words from his father, Adam, he went from him, shed a flood of tears over his face, and gathered together his children and his children's children and brought them to his father Adam. But when our father Adam saw them around him, he wept at having to be separated from them. And when uh, they saw him weeping, they all wept together and fell upon his face, saying, How shall thou be served from us, O our father? And how shall the earth receive uh, thee and hide thee from our eyes? And quote. Thus did they lament much and in like words. Then our father Adam blessed them all and said to Seth, after he had blessed them, um, quote, O Seth, my son, thou knowest um, this world that it is full of sorrow and of awareness, and then knowest all that has come upon us from our trials in it. I therefore uh, flow command thee in these words to keep innocence and to be pure and just and trusting in God, and lean not to the uh, discourage of Satan, nor to the um, appar- uh, apparitions, apparitions. apparitions. yeah, uh, spirits, appearances. You know, Satan appeared uh, to Seth in the form of an angel in the previous chapter. Okay, ah. uh, in which he will show himself to thee. 
and I guess also that's also in the book of the first book of anime he did as well Adam and Eve and tried to marry them some kind of I don't know some strange stuff yeah right so uh, but take note he did not bless Cain in a similar no. manner okay because as we teach in two seed line Cain had a different father one of these fallen angels who for somehow they were able to materialize in human form and they're still here. <laughs> Their offspring are still here. We, of course, know them as Jews. Back to you. Yes, that's the modern, modern day, modern day word for them. Who they are? That's the name they want to have. Yeah. So the, the children, as Jesus said in John chapter, your father is the devil. Okay, yeah. that's not a figurative meaning, <laughs> right? Right. Go ahead. No. Please continue. Uh, but keep the commandments that I give thee this day. Then give the same to thy son Enoch, and let Enoch give it to his son Canaan, and Canaan to his son uh, Mahalalel, so that this command abide firm among all your children. So it goes downward from a from. Um, yeah. Um, from Seth down to Mahalalel. Right, and it's in perfect con concordance with Genesis chapter 5. Yes. So, uh, quote, O Seth, my son, the moment I am uh, deed, take De ye my... Dead. Death. The moment I am dead, yes. I'm dead. Yeah. <laughs> uh, take ye my body and wind it up with mirror, aloes, and cassia, and leave me here in this cave of treasures, in which are all those tokens which God gave us from the garden. Okay, so assuming that this cave of treasures is real, it's got to be somewhere in, in, in India or Iran, okay? Because we're talking about Iran being east of Eden, on the other side of the Tigris and Euphrates rivers, how far east we don't know but uh, a long time ago I did a uh, interview with a woman who uh, wrote a book about uh, Adam uh, going as far as Kashmir and it, that we will find their um, tombs in Kashmir other authors have wrote uh, written documents that say they're far on the other side of India even further east but uh, I haven't had time to do any research on that. But certainly, we can pinpoint east of the Tigris and Euphrates River, without a doubt. Okay, back to you. Okay, thank you. Um, quote, O my son, hereafter shall a flood come and overwhelm all creatures Ooh. and leave out only eight souls. So Adam prophesied that. Okay, yeah. very interesting. Now, of course, yeah. uh, the uh, the non-Christian world constantly uh, accuses us and the Bible of being written in you know way after these prophecies were fulfilled, and they don't believe that any of these prophecies occurred before they happened. Okay, but the Bible has confirmed itself to be true and the, the most accurate book of prophecy ever written, and nothing comes close to it. And uh, all their attempts to make the Bible a later document, even uh, confine it to 500 years before Christ. Uh, we've been proving these false. I mean, the uh, the uh, 
what do you call it, the granaries of Joseph have been found, right? The history, the historicity of the Bible has been confirmed by archaeology a hundredfold, okay? So those authors are lying, and the reason they are lying is because they're either secularists or they're uh, hirelings of the Jews to try to throw dirt upon the Bible and its accuracy. And uh, the uh, archaeology has been proving them wrong constantly. You know, for example, the secular world never thought there was such a kingdom as the Hittites because the Hittites were only referred to in the Bible. But lo and behold, the Hittite kingdom has now been revealed and every archaeologist under the sun now confirms, yes, the Hittites really did exist. Okay, so the Bible is true and every archaeologist a liar. <laughs> okay, especially if they're anti-Bible. All right, back to you. Yeah, and that's I guess is what Jesus, what Yeshua said when he said that, said that if you if you I paraphrase if you quiet my disciples the stones will cry out. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yep, the, the the stones uh, and not just archaeology, geology as well. Oh yeah. Uh huh. Okay, so number eleven then. Uh, eleven quote. But oh my son, let who those whom it will leave out from among your children at that time. Take my body with them out of his cave. And when they have taken it with them, let the oldest among them command his children to lay my body in a ship until the flood has a surge. A swage. Yeah. A swage. And they came out of the ship. Okay, so uh, if this is the case, then there was a second ark in which uh, Adam's Adam and Eve's bodies floated, okay, and who knows where that that ship landed, okay. But uh, of course they died before the flood, okay. So who knows where that ship wound up, you know? So it could have been in Kashmir, and it could have been further east. We don't know. But back to you. This is very interesting. There, okay. Yes. So. Then they shall take my body and lay it in the middle of the earth. Shortly after they have been saved from the waters of the flood. Okay, and we know that the flood was local. It was not global. The deluge was global, but not the flood. Various different parts of the world had different levels of flooding. And uh, so apparently those, these instructions were followed. And uh, I really think that Kashmir uh, was so high up that it did, was not engulfed by the flood. And that is possibly where their bodies were taken. That you know, the Kashmirites, uh, uh, you know, insist that that's where they wound up. Back to you. Yes. Okay. So then they shall. Oh, I read that one. I think um, for the place where my body shall be laid, I the middle of the I read that. I'm more yeah. wrong. Place. Fourteen. But now, O Seth, my son. Place thyself at the head of thy people. Tend them and watch over them in the fear of God. And lead them in the good way. Command them to fast unto God. And make them understand thy oath not to hearken to Satan, lest he destroy them. Oh yeah, see at the COVID yet. Yep. <laughs> they will be destroyed for that, for, yeah. for their... In that, yeah. yeah, yes, they will, because uh, this battle between the two seed lines, uh, the enmity declared in Genesis three fifteen, 
is not over yet. It has a few years left. Back to you. Yes, and it's um, picking up speed. Amen. Um, then again, uh, quote, then again, um, sever thy children and thy children's children from Cain's children. Do not let, let them ever mix with those, nor come near them, either in their words or in their deeds. Are you paying quote. attention, paying attention, Adamites? <laughs> right? The Bible confirms this separation of the, the two seed lines co consistently from beginning to end. Yes, and here it said, don't mix with them, not even come near to them, their words, their deeds. And, and don't yeah, let them into your house, your country, etc. Yeah, but people letting them into their house today, easy by just yeah. putting on their Talmud vision. Right, amen. So... Um, number 16 then then Adam let his blessing uh, uh, descend upon Seth and upon his children and upon all his children's children um, he then turned to his son Seth and to Eve his wife and said to them quote preserve this gold this incense and this mirth that God has given us for a sign for in days that are coming a flood will overwhelm the whole um, creation. But those who shall go into the ark shall take with them the gold, the incense, and the mirth, together with my body, and lay the gold, the incense, and the mirth with my body in the midst of the earth. Um, could, yeah, could it then, then align to that they took Adam and Eve's body into the ark that Noah was on? No, no, I th this is talking about a different vessel because they, they died. Well, it's, oh, you mean the, uh, the gold, incense, and myrrh? Yeah, apparently so. Yeah, but not uh, their bodies. So their bodies were placed somewhere else before the flood. That's oh, how I okay. read this, okay? okay. Uh, but no, now, look at this, though. What were the three gifts that the wise men gave to the baby Jesus? Gold, incense, what? and myrrh. Right? Yeah. So this tradition goes all the way back to Adam. Please continue. Yes. Yes, number 18. Uh, quote, Then, after a long time, the city in which the gold, the incense, and the mirth are found with my body shall be plundered. Ooh. But when it is spoiled, the gold, the incense, and the mirth shall be taken care of with the spoil that is kept. And naught of them shall perish until the word of God made man shall come. Ooh, ooh, uh, I love this language. The word of God made man. Beautiful. Yeah. When kings shall take them and shall offer to him. <laughs> it predicts the three wise men here. Yeah. Right. Interesting. Gold is token. And is token of his being king. Ah. Incense is token of his being God of heaven and earth and mirth in token of his passion. And quote, gold also as a token of his overcoming Satan and all our foes. Incense as a token that he will raise, rise, from the dead 
Ah, that's for Yeshua. Amen. And be exalted above things in heaven and things in the earth. And mirth is token that he will drink bitter gold and feel Ooh. the pain hell from Satan. Wow. Oh. Wow. Fantastic. All right, I have to do some more research and find out the uh, antiquity of the lost books of Eden. You know where they, you know who preserved these, you know, where they come from, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera, because uh, this is really good stuff. And uh, I see you didn't stumble over the misprint and at uh, the very first letter in verse 19. It, it's a C, not a G, but you you corrected the uh, typo there and, and pronounced it gold, <laughs> right? Okay, your English is getting very good, Michael. <laughs> All right, one more verse in chapter, what chapter are we in, 11? Yeah. yeah oh, no, no, I'm sorry, chapter 8, sorry. Okay. Yeah, and quote, And now, O Seth, my son, behold, I have revealed unto thee hidden mysteries, which God had revealed unto me. Keep my commandments for thyself, and for thy people. Okay, so the distinction between the descendants of Seth and the descendants of Cain are totally preserved here in the Forgotten Books of Eden, without a doubt. Okay, very yeah, good. And, he, and Adam here is predicting Yeshua. Yes, amen. It's wonderful. Yeah, and he also says that, that he will... Uh, that um, that he will drink this bitter gall is that vinegar and he feel the pains of, of hell from Satan yeah and yes that. right yeah and, and we're still here <laughs> right and, and they're still here uh, until yeah, until the judgment day yeah unfortunately why didn't our people obey <laughs> yeah so they're pricked in our eyes and thorns in our sides yeah right okay yeah so uh, a spoiler alert has this question. I think Adam then instructed that his descendants should take his body out of the cave of treasures when the flood starts and put them uh, on the ark of Noah, etc. Uh, the, my reading is this, that uh, his body was is taken somewhere else, but the, uh, the incense, the myrrh, and the gold were put aboard uh, Noah's ark. That's, that's what it says to me. So, uh, yeah, because it would be hard... Uh, you know, what happened to the bones? You know, as I said, the tradition that Adam and Eve were buried in cashmere uh, is, is still alive today. Okay, so back to you. Yes, and uh, I guess also that um, that uh, when when the Magi was supposed to come to to see uh, Yeshua, I mean, he was born. That this was the gift that they brought with them. Yeah, and it could be. Just occurred to me, it could be that these same gifts were preserved by the uh, by the descendants of Israel who took over that whole entire remember our people uh, spread out as far as Iran okay occupied Iran and Babylon to the east and Egypt to the west and places far far to the north the Scythians uh, traveled far to the north and uh, the prophecy given to Abraham was that uh, Israelites from all over this territory, from the Tigris and Euphrates to the river of Egypt, would come to the Feast of Pentecost in, in uh, you know, biblical times, in the times of the New Testament. And that, that prophecy was fulfilled. Now, is it possible that the uh, uh, sons of Pharez, who occupied Iran in those days, 
had possession of these three objects? Is that possible? Whoa, that's very interesting. Back to you. Yeah, and uh, isn't that also something we know that uh, the unfortunately when your army, uh, the American or the Rothschild American army then defeated uh, Saddam Hussein in Iraq, didn't they also take a lot of artifacts from there and destroyed stuff? Yes, yeah. And so uh, it's possible that, the, you know, because even though the Scythians were primarily of the Lost Ten Tribes, the so-called Lost Ten Tribes, nevertheless, they chose leaders from among the House of Pharaohs of Judah, okay? And the priesthood were of Judah. So they would have known full well what was going on in Jerusalem in those days, right? As the so-called wise men were priests of uh, Judah, somewhat paganized, but nevertheless priests of Judah. And they would have known what was going on in Jerusalem in those days, and they would certainly have heard that the Messiah had come. And that's who the three wise men were. They were Adamites of the house of Pharaohs. Back to you. Yeah, they, I guess, weren't they come from the, from the Parthians? Yes, the Parthian they Empire, yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So they were definitely then from Judah, from Pharaohs. Yes, correct. left. Okay, let's continue then to now number chapter nine, the death of Adam. When Adam had ended his um, command commandment to Seth, his limbs were loosened, his hands and feet lost all power, his mouth became dumb, and his tongue ceased altogether to speak. He closed his eyes and gave up the ghost. Okay, so that expression it was, it was true of Yahshua on the cross. He gave up the ghost. His body and soul were separated. Yes. But when his children saw that he was dead, they threw themselves over him, men and women, old and young, weeping. The death of Adam took place at the end of of 930 years that he lived upon the earth on the 15th day of um, Barmuda after the reckoning of an epact of the sun at the ninth hour okay so I, I think I think epact must mean an eclipse and it's interesting Barmuda did Bermuda get its name from this word here Barmuda I have to look this up we're encountering new information and new concepts here that may be verified okay and of course we know that the Israelites had built uh, what's the term from the book of Enoch henges like Stonehenge which were what calendars they were set up to uh, reckon the passage of the sun and the moon and stars that's what those hinges and finally archaeologists have come to realize that yeah all these hinges and all these pyramids are designed to trace the movement the sun moon stars etc they were not primitive they were not primitive altars they were uh, uh, planetariums uh, buildings erected to trace the mo uh, because they they could trace eclipses that way. So that's probably why what epact means here. At the at oh, interestingly at the ninth hour. When Yahshua died, very interesting. <laughs> okay, back to you. 
Yeah, and here is uh, here we see the, what they say that the, the drawback or what we say that we're missing a concordance here. So we can look up the word epac. What is the meaning of that er word? What was the original one here? Yeah, I'm looking it up as we speak. Yeah, it means eclipse. It is eclipse. Ah. Yes. Okay. Okay. Then All let's right. Okay, let's continue then. Uh, it was on a Friday, the very day on which he was created and on which he rested and the hour at which he died was the same as that at which he came out of the garden then Seth um, wound him up well and embalmed him with plenty of sweet spices from spices spices yeah yeah okay hold on I've got a, a, a more exact definition the first uh, one I got was uh, pretty brief. Uh, it says, this is from the Old Farmer's Almanac. Clavius's epact is based on the number of days between the last new moon in December and January 1. This number varies from 1 to 30 with each, within each 19-year cycle. Okay, so it's more a reference to the moon, but still, the, uh, the henges were designed to trace the movements of the sun, moon, and stars. You know, so no contradiction here. Okay, but other definitions uh, do mention eclipses. But the, uh, what's called the Saros cycle is a 19-year cycle of eclipses, both lunar and solar eclipses. And these have always, uh, they have been consistent throughout the known history of planet Earth. Okay, as far as I know. And so this enables us to date events based on the Saros cycle the, because astronomers can take, they take these cycles of eclipses far back even into prehistory. And this is how they can determine events. Well, when the Bible says that there was an eclipse at the birth of Christ or just before the birth of Christ, well, we can pinpoint the time of the birth of Christ through astroarchaeology. It's very important stuff, okay? But no, none of the Judeo churches ever bothered to check astroarchaeology. It's not relevant to them. They're only interested in, uh, you know, holding up their personal view, their, their denominational view of things, and disregard history altogether. Back to you. Yeah, and we we know that the more proper place when Yeshua was born was probably around autumn, around the uh, the Feast of Tabernacle. Yes. Amen. That, and um, I believe also that it could be maybe somewhere around 9-11 because of okay. what they did at 11 to try okay. to get people to think about something very bad instead of something very good. Yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, spoiler alert has uh, looked something up as well uh, from Wikipedia. It says that the time, number of days by which a solar year exceeds 12 lunar months, it is used in the calculation in the date of Easter. <laughs> Okay, well, we don't follow Easter, we follow Passover, right? And, of course, uh, the, uh, you know, we, we begin our calendar at the spring equinox, and the spring equinox only coincides with the lunar month every 19 years, really, okay? Therefore, a lunar calendar is going to be off 19 years, you know, 18 years out of 19. So, you know, that's why we go with the solar calendar. And then um, uh, I'll, I'll, I'll check out what Swamp Fox has posted as well. So please continue. Okay. 
Thank you. Uh, from sacred trees and from the holy mountain. And he laid his body on the eastern side of the inside of the cave, the side of the incense, and placed in front of him a lamp stand uh, kept burning. Mm -hmm. Then his children stood before him, weeping and wailing over him the whole night until break of day. Then Beth and his son Enoth and Canaan, the son of Enoth, went out and took good offerings uh, to present unto the, to the Lord. And they came to the altar upon which Adam offered gifts to God when he did offer. But Eve said to them, quote, Wait until we have first asked God to accept our offering and to keep by him the soul of Adam, his servant, and to take it up to rest, end quote. And they all stood up and prayed. Okay, well, we keep this tradition even today, right? <laughs> right? Other races, what to do? What do they do with their dead? Do they even bury them? I Maybe they bury them, but certainly this ritual that's being described here, we still keep this today among the Adamic race. Very interesting. Okay, let me just quickly interject here: uh, the Forgotten Books of Eden by Rutherford H. Platt Jr., 1926, and this is of course at sacred-texts.com. So for those listeners who don't have uh, access to the chat room, it's, this is from sacred-texts.com. So, and then uh, Swamp Fox put the, uh, from the Companion Bible, uh, as shown above, it has a chart, a calendrical chart, as shown above, the 14th of Nisan, which was the preparation day, began at sunset on our Tuesday Gentile Reckoning. The sixth hour of John 1914 is the sixth hour of the night, and therefore corresponds to midnight, at which, according to Gentile Reckoning, Wednesday began. The Roman numerals on the dial plate show the 24 hours of the complete Gentile day. Of course, uh, 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 th this uh, takes the word Gentile meaning non-Jews or non-Israelites. And on either side of the dial has shown the Hebrew hours corresponding to our a.m. and p.m. The 24 hours were divided into the 12 hours of the night, reckoned from sunset, to the 12 hours of the day. That's how we reckon it, reckon it from sunrise. Hence, the sixth hour of John 19.14 was our midnight. The third hour of Mark 15 was our 9 a.m. The sixth hour of Matthew... Mark and Luke was our noon, and the ninth hour of Matthew 27, Mark and Luke was our 3 p.m. Okay? And that's what the Bible tells us. He, he died at 3 p.m. He had to die before the, the evening for the Passover ritual. Okay? He had to fulfill the entire Passover ritual in himself, and that's what he did. Back to you. Oh, Okay, let's continue then with chapter 10. Um, this is an Adam was the first, yeah, the first of the Adamites, our great, 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 great forefather. Uh, there's, a, there's 153 greats in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 
and, and when they had ended their prayer, the word of God came and comforted them concerning their father Adam. After this, they offered their gifts for themselves and for their father. And when they had ended their offerings, the word of God came to Seth, the elders among them, saying unto him, Quote, O Seth, 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 three times, as I was with thy father, so also shall I be with thee, until the fulfillment of the promises I made him. Thy father saying, I will send my word, and save thee and thy seed. Amen. Amen. So, yeah, so... Uh, the uh, gospel uh, according to John and the word became flesh yes and he will say thy seed I don't Amen. know why yeah seed. thy offspring Amen. offspring yeah, yeah yeah and why so many Judeo Christians miss this or they say oh it's spiritual no it's <laughs> right. it's between good and evil it's only spiritual blah blah right. blah blah, right. blah yeah they spiritualize the word sperm. <laughs> it's hilarious, actually. They, they, All right, back to you. <laughs> yeah, because they can't then really believe what, they, what they're reading. They just believe yeah. it's some kind of, uh, they only do it for the money then, I guess, because they don't believe in their heart then. Yeah, no, they don't. No, because they universalize the text, and they don't believe in the covenant message. No, then they miss the whole, the whole, they miss the whole point with it. That's right. They they could stop doing it and do something else because they will be so cursed and be haunted by their children when they yeah. know that they have lied to them. I am not sent but unto the exiled sheep of the house of Israel. Period. Yeah. What don't you understand? Uh, but that's spiritual. <laughs> oh, excuse me. Excuse me. I don't understand. Or they would, no, they don't. Or they wouldn't read it. Right. That, that's the answer I get when I try to ask, when I've asked people here in Sweden about it, they, I get often to do something. Yeah. And his I commandment uh, his commandment to the uh, 12 apostles, go not unto the uh, Samaritans, but rather unto the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Okay? I mean, uh, it's commanded over and over again. You know, when the Bible, the New Testament says, preach to all the, or, all the world. It's 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 telling the Israelites to seek out the Israelites that have been scattered throughout the world. That's what it's talking about. But nevertheless, it's better for the world to hear the gospel from us. Not that we should intermix with them, but that uh, our dominion, the dominion command, occurred in Genesis chapter one, right after the creation of Adam and Eve. In chapter one, that's how chapter one ends. The dominion verses apply only to the Adamic race. And we have had dominion over this planet until uh, 1815, when the prophecy of Isaac to uh, Esau, and he stated to Esau, one day you you shall have the dominion over Jacob. And that occurred in 1815 when the house of Rothschild took dominion over Europe through their banking operations. They were Edomites. The Rothschilds were Edomites. And they have had dominion from that, that point to the Judgment Day. That's why we no longer have dominion right now. Back to you. Yeah, 
Thank you. And and that is the system that will burn within an hour. It said that it will fall very quickly. Yes. Yeah. So I don't believe in some kind of gradual destruction rises. It will be very fast. They were sending by. Yeah. Yeah. If you've got the gasoline, I've got the match. (laughs) Right? I thought. (laughs) Right? All right. Babylon will burn, folks. It will. (laughs) Yes. Okay. Number four, then. But as for thy father Adam, keep the, the commandments he gave thee, and sever thy seed from that of Cain thy brother. Oh man, I love it! Sever thy seed! The Bible totally confirms this language throughout. Yeah, and for me, as a bit sever, is that keep away? What's a good translation? Yeah, uh, cut, uh, cut them. Uh, a, a cut, a clean cut between one and the other. Ah, okay, like the farmer, okay. they have their, their t- uh, tickle, what do you say, when they... That, right? Yeah, sever, right. Sever the, okay. Amen. Okay. Uh, and God withdrew his word from Seth. Then Seth, Eve, and their children came down from the mountain to the cave of treasures. Okay, so Eve outlived Adam. Very interesting. Yeah. A widow. Also- <laughs> she was the first Adamic widow. Yeah, and wasn't that also isn't that also often true about our women today that they often outlive the men? Right, we always do. But the feminists yeah. want more. <laughs> it's not enough to, that the widows inherit the, their husbands' wealth; they, they want power too, right? Yeah, but how has that turned out? My yeah, own. yeah. I mean, they're still slaves of uh, Jewish rabbis, whether they realize it or not. They are. Yep. They are, but they think they're free when they are the com- when they yeah. are are bossing around their their yeah. so-called men because you shouldn't be bossed around by the women. Right. By the way, that glass ceiling <laughs> that's that's gonna break very soon. Back to you. <laughs> uh, okay, number seven. But Adam was the first whose soul died in the land of Eden, in the cave of treasures, for no one died before him. But his son Abel, who died, Ooh. murdered him. Mm. Yeah, he didn't die. He was murdered by Cain. Then all the children of Adam rose up and wept over their father Adam and made offerings to him 140 days. All right, very good. Yeah, and it, it, is in, uh, it is not that it's contradicting the Bible as I see it no. when I read it. Yeah, well, actually, the last uh, let me uh, let me go back to the previous page. So uh, it seems to be asserting that these events took place in the cave of treasures. It says in the land of Eden. Now maybe they went back, but, but apparently the cave of treasures is in the land of Eden. Uh, hard to because the Bible says that they were cast out of Edom, and uh, the. Uh, angels set up uh, so that no one could go back in so perhaps mr what's his name uh rutherford h platt i think he's a mormon if i'm not mistaken maybe he's misreading or mistranslating this okay because uh, they definitely got kicked out of the garden and went east into the land of Nod, just like cain did but the, the two bloodlines were separated outside of eden back to you 
Yes. What is your knowledge about the original language of those of those of first book of Adam and Eve and the second one? Uh, that's a good question because uh, 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 it might be Ethiopian. I'm not sure. You know, I'll, I'll, maybe people in the chat room can look that up while we, while we're doing this. Okay. But so far, so good, except for uh, a, a bad reference here and there. The majority, I'd say, ninety percent of what we're reading conforms with the Bible. Okay. Yeah. Sure we can't expect perfection here because we have no control of the translation and we don't have no control of the original language. Okay, back to you. Yes. Okay, and here, chapter 11, and I read the first um, line here. It's very describing our people. Yeah. Seth becomes head of the most happy and just tribe of people who ever lived. Yeah. Okay, well, here, oh, now, let me... Uh, I think I missed what uh, the this first verse said. Let me read it. Uh, Seth becomes head of the most happy and just tribe of people who ever lived, yeah, for temporarily anyway. <laughs> After the death of Adam and Eve, Seth severed his children and his children's children from Cain's children. Cain and his seed went down and dwelt westward below the place where he had killed his brother Abel. So my reading is this, that both Adam and Eve... And their children were uh, sent east to the land of Nod, okay? And uh, my impression is they dwelt somewhere in Iran or India, okay? But up in the mountains. The, Can the Canites, Cain's children, stayed in the plains or the river valleys to the west or, or close by. But they didn't go up into the mountains. They dwelt in a valley somewhere. And then Cain and his seed went down and dwelt westward below the place where he had killed his brother Abel. Now, I, I don't know what uh, the Cain, Sargon the Magnificent states, but uh, what she states in that book was that Cain uh, began to be ruler of uh, what was Sumeria. Sumeria yeah. is at the northern end of the Tigris and Euphrates area. Maybe, maybe further south, I'm not sure. I'd have to check the records. But that's probably where Cain went. He went back toward, toward the Tigris and Euphrates and became ruler of Sumeria. That's what uh, Mrs. Sidney Bristow states in her book, which we'll, which we'll cover after this, or after this series. All right, back to you. Yeah, in yes, we should. Because I, yeah. I did a show on that yesterday about Sargon, and I found here... Uh, this was in the on Wikipedia. I can read this one. This is oh, the okay. birth. This is something from the birth legend from about Sargon or Cain. This is kind of interesting when you read it. Um, I read it. My mother was a high uh, priestess. My father I knew not. The brother of my father loved the hills. My city it is Asur um, Asupirinu. As which is situated on the banks of the Euphrates. My high princess mother conceived me. In secret she bore me. She set me in a basket of rushes. With bitumen she sealed my lid. She cast me into the river which rose over me. The river bore me up and carried me to Aki, the drawer of water. Aki, the drawer of water took me as his son and reared me. Aki, the drawer of water, appointed me 
as his gardener. That <laughs> I was a gardener. Ishtar granted me her love. For and years, I exercised kingship. So these are words spoken to Cain? No, this is a tablet. It's a store of the birth of Sargon. And this is uh, from a tablet. Okay. Very interesting. Okay. Uh, it's a fragment that was discovered in early 1850. Yeah. And so say here that his father he did not know. And that... that uh, uh, the brothers of my father loved the hills, exactly as you said. They lived up in the mountains. Right. So this could be a reference to his brother Abel living in the mountains, and these words are being addressed to Cain, who was uh, a worshipper of Ishtar? Is that yeah. what this... Okay. Very I interesting. Believe, uh, I believe, and I have read in the, this uh, Sargon Magnificent, that Ishtar is a reference to Eve. Okay. Yeah, probably a false reference uh, to Eve, because Cain would lie about the origin of his mother, right? And call her Ishtar, because he's creating a pagan religion. Yeah. Right? That's what Cain would do. Yes, okay. he did. Yeah. So he, he would then worship his, uh, his, he then have a reference to then Adam, and then Eve, and then the father, and that was, of course, uh, Satan. Yes. That's where the Trinity comes from. Okay, very good. Yes, so let's continue then. Uh, but Seth and his children dwelt northward upon the mountains of the Cave of Treasures in order to be near to their father Adam. Oh, I read that, sorry. Yeah. But it was again the mountains. Uh, that's what I yeah. wanted to do. Yeah, so the Sethites dwelt in the mountains, whereas the Kenites dwelt in the valleys. Back to you. Yeah. And Seth. The elder, tall and good, with a fine soul and of a strong mind, stood at the head of his people and uh, tended them in innocence, uh, patience, and meekness. Uh, penitence. And pe pe repentance. Penitence. Yeah. Penitence. Yeah. Re right. As we should. As we should. <laughs> right. Uh -huh. And meekness, and did not allow one of them to go down to Cain's children. Yeah, go down. So they went down, yeah. Right. But, but because of their own purity, they were named, quote, children of God, end quote. And they were with God instead of the host of angels who fell. For they continued in praises to God and in singing psalms unto him in their cave. The Cave of Treasures. Okay, now I'm, my curiosity is piqued. I've got to find the location of this Cave of Treasures. It's, it's driving me crazy at this point. But we don't have time to deal with it. We only have 20 minutes left in this show. But this is getting very, very interesting. Back to you. Yes. So number five. Then Seth stood before the body of his father Adam and of his mother Eve and prayed night and day, and asked for mercy towards himself and his children, and that when he had some difficult dealing with a child, he would give him counsel. But Seth and his children did not like earthly work. Oh, no! <laughs> but gave themselves to heavenly things, 
for they had no other thought than praises, uh, doxologies, and psalms unto God. And that's right. a new word for me. Doxology. Doxology is a chant. Okay. Uh-huh. Chant. So it's based on a poem. But, yeah, okay, well, I mean, a lot of our pastors don't work, right? Or they have not worked. They're bookish pastors who don't get their hands dirty, right? (laughs) And that's true of most of the denominations. I have found, however, that within identity, uh, most of the pastors that I know, uh, in in fact, uh, if not all, have spent time working, at least in their early lives, and are not bookish in that sense of the word, not totally intellectual, right? But this is a tendency among our people as well, is to not get their hands dirty doing farming, carpentry, etc., and uh, not being men of the quote-unquote earth, right? They, they have been educated in the ivory tower of denominationalism, Okay? And that's why they tend to reject, well, what was Jesus, Matthew? I mean, uh, sorry, <laughs> Michael. <laughs> he was a carpenter. Yeah. All right, he worked with his hands. So don't yes, eschew. Don't eschew working with your hands. It gives you really good experience dealing with the world, with dealing with reality. If you're plain bookish, you're not going to have the right knowledge. Your book, Your knowledge is going to be uh, warped with regard to the real world. Back to you. Yeah, that's why we need to. Yeah, we have to combine it. Yes. I mean, famous for you. You also have worked all your day as a carpenter, so you you do the same. You have done the same. And I have the broken body to prove it. <laughs> right. <laughs> nearly nearly lost a finger to a table saw. Right. Uh, you know, bent fingers, broken fingers, etc. Yeah. And you need to go through that type of experience to really appreciate the trials and tribulations prophesied that the Adamites would have, right? Uh, Compared with those bookish intellectual pastors of denominationalism who spend their whole lives in libraries and, uh, you know, church vestries and etc. Not having... uh, Well, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, The guy who started Facebook, Mark Zuckerberg. He has the answer. He's going to give you goggles. <laughs> and you, you live your life wearing these goggles, and you never have to deal with reality ever again. Yeah, yeah, sure. Okay, and then yeah, never right? Blah, blah, blah. I, <laughs> right? I, I think, I, mean, I heard that, it, I think, um, Dan said on his show that sometimes they did a test with, my, with mouses, or mice that had... They gave the mouse exactly what they needed, had the same temperature, gave them all the food they needed and everything. And then they have a control group where the other one have to work for the food and they didn't have the t- same temperature. And the one that did perish, that uh, perish, was the one with the good temperature, the food and everything, because they didn't have to do any work for it. Yeah. That, I think, is why we should have hardship also. We need to have hardship because we're appreciating and we will, I think I'm... I'm very confident that we will survive this then. Oh, yeah. No, uh, the Bible's very clear. Deuteronomy chapter 28, if you keep my laws, I will destroy your enemies. We really don't have to lift a finger. If we be true to our true faith and obey his laws, Yahweh will, will punish our enemies. He will do it for us. 
And that's what a lot of Christians don't understand, you know. But many of us and most of us will have to take up arms against the children of Satan in these latter days. There's absolutely no doubt that this means war. And watch uh, George Washington's prophecy, which states that the cities of America will be erupting in war, hand-to-hand combat, combat before this is all over. Yeah, because we need to resist evil. Amen. Amen. That's why we are here. That that's that's why we should resist this COVID to all its might with everything to yeah. do any of it. Yeah, the Not great us. the great stupor <laughs> is here, uh, prophesied by Baruch, uh, oh. Jeremiah's scribe. He foresaw oh, yeah. the days when there would be a great stupor come over the people of Israel. Who would who would be utterly deceived in these latter days? And of course, Paul says the same thing in Second Thessalonians chapter two, and uh, he calls it the great delusion. Yeah, or, or the COVID. Right, COVIDiacy. Yeah, that's the great yeah. delusion. That's the great stupor. Oh yeah. Okay, so let's continue now. Number seven. Therefore, did they at all times hear the voice of the angels? praising and glorifying God from within the garden oh, okay. when they were hmm. by God on an erad oh, okay. or when they were going up to heaven let's, oh, let's see number 8 for Seth and his children by reason of their own purity heard and saw those angels then again the garden was not far above them, but only some 15 um, spiritual cubits. Now, okay, so, one, so maybe he's using gar- garden in a spiritual sense here. Okay, in a spiritual sense, because they were still pure and had not sinned, you know, like Adam and Eve did. Okay, mm-hmm. but, but nevertheless, their de- they had lost their connection to the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Now, one spiritual cubit answers to three cubits of man, altogether <laughs> 45 cubits. Okay. I don't know how much that is, then. Cubits yeah. and this. Well, uh, a, a royal cubit is, uh, a cubit is essentially from the tip of your finger to your elbow, so which is like two feet, okay, of, a, of an adult Adamite. So uh, maybe that's the case here. So... Uh, 15, uh, but it says spiritual cubits. Who knows what that is, right? So it's been 90 feet then. Right, something like that. <laughs> All right. I know how much that is. Yeah. Um, because I'm, I'm, okay, let's continue. Um, Seth and his children dwelt on the mountain below the garden. They sowed not, neither did they reap. They brought no food for the body, not even wheat but only offerings. They ate of the fruit and of trees well-flavored that grew on the mountain where they dwelt. Okay, so it's saying that their mountain was below the garden and uh, they still ate of the uh, uh, fruit of the land without having to farm. Yes. That's That's what they're telling us here. Okay. Then Seth um, often fasted every 40 days, as did also his eldest children. For the family of Seth smelled the smell of the trees in the garden when the wind blew that way. 
They were happy, innocent, without sudden fear. There was no jealousy, no evil action, no hatred among them. There was no animal passion. From no month among them went forth either foul words or curse, neither evil counsel nor fraud. For the men of that time never swore, but under hard circumstance, when men must swear, they swore by the blood of Abel, the just. And when I read this, I think, yeah, well, everything by that has been changed by the evil Jewish. Oh, yeah. yeah, they have everything of that they have put into our societies. Right. So uh, the for, uh, this part of the Forgotten Books of Eden, this is uh, the uh, lost book of Adam and Eve, part two. And uh, it's, it's documenting the degeneration of the, the descendants of Adam and Eve through Seth, okay? So what we're being told here is that the first generation led by Adam maintained its purity, uh, racial purity, and its moral purity, okay? So we'll see what happens to subsequent generations. Back to you. Yes, number 13, thank you. But they constrained their children and their women every day in the cave to fast and pray and to worship the Most High God, they blessed themselves in the body of their father Adam, and anointed themselves with it. And they did so until the end of Seth drew near. Okay, so when Seth dies, that's when things begin really to deteriorate. Okay, I think we have time for chapter 12. Okay, so now let's start. Seth's family, family affairs, his death, the headship of Enoch, how the outcast branch of Adam's family fared. Outcast branch, that is that Cain. Yeah, well, oh, well, actually, uh, they were still outcasts. Even, even the Sethites were outcasts from the original garden. Okay, I think that's what uh, he... Uh, this is a heading uh, included by the translator, Rutherford H. Platt. Okay. Uh, okay. Yeah. Um, so, then Seth, the just, called his son Enoch, and Canaan, son of Enoch, and Mahalalel, son of Canaan, and said unto them, As my end is near, I wish to build a roof over the altar on which gifts are offered. They hearkened to his commandment and went out, all of them, both old and young, and worked hard at it, and built a beautiful roof over the altar. And Seth thought, in so doing, was that a blessing should come upon his children on the mountain, and that he should present an offering for them before his death. Then, when the building of the roof was completed, he commanded them to make offerings. They worked diligently at these, and brought them to Seth, their father, who took them and offered them upon the altar, and prayed God to accept their offerings, to have mercy on the souls of his children, and to keep them from the hand of Satan. Okay, very interestingly, we are being given documentation of the uh, priesthood of the order of Melchizedek. 
which was the eldest son of the eldest son of the eldest son of the eldest son, etc. Okay? And this was true even after the flood, when Shem became the eldest son of Noah. Okay? And that priesthood still exists today, except we have lost track of it, but nevertheless, we are still here. Whether the churches care to uh, try to document that or not, we are still here. Yahweh knows who the eldest son of the eldest son of the eldest son is. And this is a, um, a command, right? That the eldest son, being the head of the household after the patriarch dies, should teach his, his people the, the uh, Yahweh's laws, etc. All right? So, uh, so this is true to the priesthood of the order of Melchizedek. Very, very carefully. Back to you. Yes, thank you. And number six. And God accepted his offering and sent his blessing upon him and upon his children. And then God made a promise to Seth, saying, quote, At the end of the great five days and a half, concerning which I have made a promise to thee and to thy father, I will send my word and save thee of thy save thee and thy seed. End quote. Okay. Yeah, the word again being Yahshua Messiah. Yes, and that this uh, he sent his word and saved thee and thy seed. So if we go by, uh, I think it's in Malachi, where it states that one day with Yahweh is a thousand years for Adamites. Okay, so are we talking about five and a half thousand years? You know, I'd have to do some reckoning there to, to see what this, uh, if there's five and a half thousand years from the death of Seth to the coming of Messiah. That would be very interesting. Back to you. Yes. So, number seven. Then Seth and his children and his children's children met together and came down from the altar and went to the cave of treasures where they prayed and blessed themselves in the body of our father Adam and anointed themselves with it. But Seth abode in the cave of treasures a few days and then suffered sufferings unto death. Then Enoch, his firstborn son, came to him with Canaan, his son, and Mahalaleel. Cain's son, and Jared, the son of Mahalel, and Enoch, Jared's son, with their wives and children to receive a blessing from Seth. Uh, then Seth prayed over them, and blessed them, and adjured them by the blood of Abel, the just, saying, quote, I beg of you, my children, not to let one of you go down from his holy and pure mountain. Make no fellowship with the shin of Cain, the murderer and the sinner who killed his brother. For ye know, O my children, that we flew from him and from all his sin with all our might because he killed his brother Abel." End quote. After having said this, Seth blessed Enoch, his first born son, and commanded him uh, habituality to minister in purity before the body of our father, Adam, 
all the days of his life, then also to go at times to the altar which he, Seth, had built. And he commanded him uh, to feed his people in righteousness, in judgment and purity all the days of his life. Then the limbs of Seth were loosened. His hands and feet lost all power. His mouth became dumb and unable to speak. And he gave up the ghost and died the day after his 912th year. On the 27th day of the month Abib, Enoch being then 20 years old. Then they uh, wound up careful the body of Seth and embalmed him with sweet spices and laid him in the cave in the cave treasures. On the right side of our father Adam's body, and they mourned for him forty days. They offered gifts for him, and they had done for our father Adam. After the death of Seth. Enos rose at the head of his people, whom he fed in righteousness and judgment as his father had commanded him. But by the time Enos was 820 years old, Cain had a large uh, progeny, for they married frequently, being given to animal lust until mm. the land below the mount was filled with them. Okay, bad news. <laughs> yeah, but now they are the most, the smallest nation upon the earth, and so I don't know. They must be. Well, uh, yeah, at the, at that time they outnumbered the Sethites, right? And uh, and uh, married frequently, and I, I think uh, the word marriage must be taken loosely here, <laughs> right? And uh, basically uh, engaged in uh, you know promiscuity. Probably the word, and they they promiscuitized frequently to make up a word, right, and etc. Uh, etc. Et right, being given to animal lusts until the land below the mountain was filled with them. So, uh, but there, apparently there was a spiritual divide between the Sethites and the Kenites, right, and for whatever reason the Kenites dared not go up to the mountain. Okay. They dared not go up to the mountain. So, uh, but uh, what we're being told here, Andy, uh, that this mountain was below the garden, and I think the uh, the translator, it was still a mountain, but not as high as the uh, you know the, the area where the original Garden of Eden was. And uh, so that uh, they're still living in a mountain, but not as high up as the original Garden of Eden. So uh, you know, we're uh, we're, we're kind of limited by the translator here, you know, what his perception is. But uh, I think uh, this does dovetail well with uh, the Sargon the Magnificent account that the Kenites lived in the valley, right? And uh, that uh, Cain was their first king. So, the, you know, when we get to that book, I don't know how many more chapters we'll deal with here. Probably, maybe we'll, we'll take this to the time of Noah's flood. Okay, we'll, and uh, we should be getting pretty close to that here. So, and then we'll uh, go switch to Sargon the Magnificent. 
by Mrs. Sidney Bristow, which is really an outstanding book. Okay, uh, Michael, thanks for narrating again today. And, uh, you know, this is difficult reading even for someone, uh, you know, a good English <laughs> reader. A lot of these names are new to us. But uh, by next week, I, I should have a, a little research uh, with regard to the Cave of Treasures and uh, where that comes from, where this idea comes from, and where, where it is located. I'm uh, really interested in that. Okay, so Michael, thank you very much. Uh, to everybody listening, praise Yahweh, pass the ammunition, and stick around for Voice of Christian Israel later today. Bye-bye, everybody, and praise Yahweh. Praise Yahweh. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.